Does Canada have a censorship problem? Today on The Curious Task, I speak with Jay Goldberg. Welcome to The Curious Task from the Institute for Liberal Studies, where we explore economics, politics, philosophy, and other ideas from a classical liberal perspective. I'm Alex Aragona, your host, and today I'm speaking with Jay Goldberg. Jay is the Ontario Director and Interim Atlantic Director at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. He spent most of his career in academia previously and was most recently a policy fellow of the Monk School of Public Policy and Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. However, he was motivated to leave academia and join the CTF after what he says are the consequences of high taxes, high deficits and government waste on everyday Canadians. Jay, welcome to The Curious Task. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And it's great to have you on, Jay. So, Jay, we base each episode on a question and go over the answers and conversation takes us. Our question today is, does Canada have a censorship problem? And our main pathway into this theme is going to be the current government's legislation push for certain regulation via its Bill C-11. So let's jump right into that, and then we'll get into some larger themes as we go along. So let's start with the basics, especially for those who don't know. 101 intro. What is Bill C-11, Jay? What does it claim to do? Give us the 101 on that. Sure. So Bill C-11 is a bill that the government's put forward that they claim is all about promoting Canadian content, making sure Canadian content is seen uh, here in Canada by our fellow Canadians. The reality is, much as you alluded to earlier, it, it is taking us down the road to censorship. And so The background to this law is that before the last election, the Liberals tried to pass what was called Bill C-10, which is the original bill, but had largely the same purpose as C-11. What the government claimed they wanted to do uh, was to promote Canadian content. But what in reality we know the bill was going to do is to give a lot of power to government bureaucrats to decide what we do or don't see on our news feeds and on our streaming feeds and in social media. And so uh, Bill C-10 didn't get through uh, the House of Commons uh, and all of Parliament in time before the last election. So after the 2021 election, they came back, they uh, tabled C-11, which is the bill that we're currently uh, debating and certainly we are fighting against uh, today. Uh, And again, the main thrust of it, they're saying promoting Canadian content in reality They want to give all kinds of power to government bureaucrats at the CRTC to build a filter, what we see in our news feeds, our streaming feeds, and our social media feeds. That's the bottom line for what will happen with Bill C-11. And, you know, basically, the government is laying out a rationale. They want to promote Canadian content, but their way of doing so uh, inherently demotes content. So we can go through, certainly afterwards, uh, we can keep talking about what is Canadian content, uh, how are they trying to do this, what kind of powers are they giving to the CRTC. But the bottom line is, this is the gateway to censorship, and I think all Canadians need to be concerned. Excellent. No, thank you for that overview. I think that's an excellent point, points and a great way to create the broad strokes of what our conversation is going to be. You're absolutely right. I do want to get into more, some more specifics about what Canadian content is and what ultimately are your critiques and the way you think if this were to pass the way things would actually turn out but before we jump right into that just to paint the little 
the picture a little further on C11 itself, just from the government's perspective and the way they're presenting it. We'll give it a fair shake for a second. Then, as I said, we'll, we'll get into it where you can critique it for sure. But like, so, so you, you gave an overview of the intent of Bill C11. So what's the government saying in a little bit more specific terms they will actually do? Like, for example, what things are going to be set up? Is this about setting up a new bureaucracies? Is who's getting the powers? What agencies? Like, just, just from the, the pure, like, technical perspective, what is the government actually saying it's specifically going to do to enforce and, and do all these things? Sure. So what their plan is to give new powers to the CRTC, uh, which currently regulates radio and television content in Canada, uh, and they want to allow it to inter- uh, to regulate internet content. Uh, so what the Liberals are saying they want to do with this bill is to reorder what Canadians are seeing online based on the criteria of whether or not it's Canadian content. So what the government is saying is, uh, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on TikTok, what they want to see happen is, uh, you know, content created by, posted by Canadians through government algorithms will be pushed up in our feed so that we see that first. And then content that's not considered to be Canadian content would inherently be pushed down because it's promoting certain content over other content. So if you're on Netflix, if you're on um, Amazon Prime, uh, what what this bill would do would be create algorithms so that uh, shows and movies that the government considers to be Canadian would be popping up first for what you're seeing. So no longer would you be having algorithms where websites uh, like Netflix, like YouTube, are showing you content based on your viewing history and what they think you'll be interested in. But instead, the content that will be promoted to you is so-called Canadian content and may not actually be content that you're interested in, but just happens to qualify as Canadian. And so... Again, we can get into the implications of that. Some of the implications are, you know, who's to decide what actually counts as Canadian content. We know actually that the CRTC is not very good at doing that right now. Another potential question is, uh, you know, could the government go down this slippery slope of promoting some content over other content, saying that it's all about Canadianness or Canadian content, but actually having other potential motives uh, in mind. So, you know, those are some of the concerns, but what their plan is, is to promote Canadian content by forcing it into our news feeds, into our streaming feeds, uh, and into our social media feeds. Excellent. Yeah. I have a couple more follow-up questions on that, but before we get to that, quick footnote here, as I usually like to make in these long format episodes and chat, just for those who don't know, um, especially our friends that are not in Canada, what, what is the CRTC? What's their general mandate, you know, on paper, that kind of thing. If you don't mind explaining a bit of what, what, what's this body theoretically supposed to be doing for those that aren't familiar. Yeah. So it's, it's the Canadian radio television communications organization. What they originally were set up to do was to, uh, you know, regulate broadcasting in Canada, but the reason they were set up, uh, and this is decades and decades ago, uh, was to make sure that Canadian content, um, you know, saw the light of day on radio and on television. Um, but there've been people, a number of people that have testified before the heritage committee, uh, including myself, who have noted that the internet is fundamentally different. And so what the CRTC's original mandate was, uh, was to try to make sure that on the radio, uh, a certain amount of minutes in the day would be dedicated to Canadian content. So Canadians would hear, you know, Canadian musicians. And on television, a certain amount of minutes in the day would be dedicated so that, 
you know, Canadian shows, uh, whether it be, you know, Shits Creek or whatever else is, is considered to be a Canadian show that's on television, a certain amount of time in every day would be dedicated to that. Uh, and the rationale was that there's only a certain amount of minutes in the day so that if non-Canadian content uh, is dominating there, Canadians will have no access to Canadian uh, singers on radio or Canadian uh, content on television because it's it's limited. The, the difference with the internet is that the internet is unlimited. You can post as much content as you want, an infinite amount of content. And so that's the difference with the internet. With the internet, we can put Canadian content out there. And if people are interested in looking at it or watching it, they can go ahead and do that. Whereas the CRTC was originally created because uh, it was felt by those in government at the time that if they didn't have regulations that made sure that some Canadian content saw a certain amount of minutes in the day, that perhaps no Canadian content would see the light of day and therefore Canadians wouldn't be exposed to Canadian content. Um, but again, the Liberals are trying to add a uh, new responsibility to the CRTC. So instead of being just regulating radio and television, now they want them to regulate the internet. But as I said, the internet's very different because it has that unlimited quantity uh, quality to it. Uh, and so that's the fundamental difference. Uh, but that's also you know, what their CRTC's original mandate was, uh, what the government is attempting or wanting to do with it, but also why it, it really doesn't make sense. Right. And, and back to this whole idea of like Canadian content, uh, before I get into some other things there, like, you know, because there's some facts I read in the, the ebook that I uh, downloaded from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, the one that uh, has your authorship on it. There's, it's really great. I encourage people to go check that out. So lots of great stuff in there um, about C Bill C-11 and other things as well. But um, so, but but Jay, basically, what, one thing I want to follow up with on there was basically the government does continue to claim that Canadian content, you know, it's, it's being overrun by American content, both on film, television and the Internet as well. You know, this is sort of like almost like a truism people seem to go back to and are very confident with it. But if I remember correctly, even you're saying the data doesn't even really support that claim, right? The data doesn't support it. Uh, Canadian content is thriving. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And even during the pandemic, uh, it really picked up. Canadian content is doing very well. Netflix has invested over a billion dollars in creating Canadian content. And, you know, part of the problem with what the government uh, does with regard to trying to figure out Canadian content is that they're actually really bad at measuring what Canadian content is. And I think this is part of the problem. So in determining what's Canadian content, government bureaucrats have all kinds of criteria. And most of it has to do with production. So where are the producers? Where's the production team? Uh, because for example, you've got Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale has been made into a, a, you know an online series that people have been watching. Well, Margaret Atwood is a very famous Canadian author, but this series is not considered to be Canadian content by the CRTC, despite the fact that it's based on Margaret Atwood's work. And she, of course, is a very prominent Canadian. On the other hand, you have a biopic of the Trump presidency called God Love Trump, it is considered to be Canadian because some of it was produced and filmed uh, in British Columbia. And so we have a situation where uh, the government and bureaucrats right now aren't even very good at classifying what counts as Canadian content, uh, because if they're not counting, you know, The Handmaid's Tale uh, and they're not counting uh, other other Canadian works like that, 
then it is really hard to determine, well, how much Canadian content is out there and how, how is it actually doing and how is it thriving? But if you look at, you know, the bigger picture, as I said, Netflix has invested a billion dollars into uh, Canadian content and culture, our television shows, our music is succeeding around the world. Uh, you know, we've got stars that have emerged from Canada, like Justin Bieber and Drake that have just captured the world uh, in terms of music. And so uh, it, it is doing better than ever before. The numbers bear that out, but the government either doesn't want to believe the numbers or just isn't very good at calculating their own numbers. Both, in fact, could be true. Uh, but the reality is Canadian content is thriving. We've got television shows, movies, music that is just spreading around the world. And I think it's a great story that needs to be told. And it's a story the government just doesn't want to tell. Right. No, absolutely. And and you mentioned it a couple of times, Jane, I've sort of held you off from it because I really want to paint a bunch of context for the first time of the conversation. But now, now I'm going to get into it. You did talk about there are broader implications. Like, you know, when we talk about Bill C-11, it's nice to have a Canadian content conversation and go back and forth on that. You know, you probably talk to people that agree or disagree with what you're saying. And it's just all this Canadian content or not, or whether it's needed and, and so on and so forth. But, but you said there's broader implications to having a body like the CRTC start becoming a regulation body for what we can see. And like I said, I've held off on that for a bit because I want to do more context. But, but now I, I'd like to sort of let you loose on that, if you will. Like, let, let's get into that. So what are some of the key implications and key concerns that you have about the fact that under whatever guise, whether it's promoting Canadian content or not, having the CRTC have these kinds of uh, powers to regulate? So what Bill C-11 does is it hands power to the CRTC to regulate what we say and see online. Uh, one of the biggest problems is that the Trudeau government has come out and said we want to pass Bill C-11, and after it's law, we're going to lay out the instructions we're going to give to the CRTC in terms of how broad their scope can be in deciding what to filter online in terms of what counts as Canadian content. So they're saying, pass the bill, sign it into law, and then after that, we can figure out you know, what kind of instructions we want to give to bureaucrats. Well, the reality is that if we pass the law, you're giving these bureaucrats the power to filter, to regulate what we can say and see online, to decide what comes up in our news feeds and what doesn't. And they're just saying they'll give a general directive later on uh, that will essentially tell the CRTC, you know, as how far they should go in censoring and filtering what we can see online. Uh, that's concerning for a number of reasons. Number one, how can we trust that the government down the line is going to give out the very same instructions that they're claiming now they're going to give? Uh, you're giving a ton of power to this bureaucracy on the books and just you know, trusting the government that somehow they're going to really narrow the mandate that they give to the CRTC. What needs to happen or what should happen, I mean, fundamentally, I think the bill is so flawed that it shouldn't be passed. Right. But one of the, one of the issues is uh, they should be laying out all of the instructions they plan to give to the CRTC later. Uh, they should be laying them out now because I think it's completely wrong to tell Canadians, trust us, we're just going to focus on Canadian content when they're giving the CRTC the power to filter whatever it is we see online. And they're just saying they're going to tell them to do it based on whether or not it's Canadian content in their eyes, uh, and that's based on a certain set of criteria that they haven't laid out yet. So what's going to happen is, theoretically, you could have a government that says to the CRTC, well, 
you now have the power to filter and censor what Canadians can say and see online. Originally, uh, the government was saying, we're just going to do it based on what counts as Canadian content. But maybe actually, we also want you to filter content based on other reasons. We've heard the Minister of Heritage say, uh, excuse me, the Minister of Public Safety say, well, maybe we have to start filtering content online uh, for certain other reasons, such as promoting social cohesion. So there's a big concern that uh, the government says they're giving this filtering power only to promote what's Canadian, but there could be mission creep. They could start telling the CRTC to filter our content for other reasons. And then I move back to Canadian content. Uh, you know, I said earlier, the government's not very good at deciding what Canadian content is. Uh, you know, gotta love Trump is considered to be Canadian content. The government is saying they're going to update the criteria of what is Canadian content after the bill becomes law. But do we really want the government to pass this law before even telling us what they decide Canadian content actually is? And then finally, I would say that a big concern is that the government could simply say, well, you know, uh, perspectives that are not very friendly to our worldview uh, or perspectives that are not in line with, with what we consider to be uh, you know, Canadian content, Canadian qualities, we're just not going to label that as Canadian content, even if in reality it should be. And we're only going to label stuff as Canadian content if it fits with our government message. And if they were to do that, then what you're seeing online in your feeds will be not just Canadian content, but it's the Canadian content the government wants you to see uh, more specifically, not just broad Canadian content. So if we're going to give them the power to decide what is Canadian content, they really have to worry about how they're going to use that power in terms of how they're going to scope Canadian content, uh, what potential you know, genuine Canadian content they're going to decide they don't want to be labeled Canadian content for whatever reason. And then, of course, mission creep down the line where you've given the CRTC these filtering powers. Originally, it was for Canadian content purposes, but now the government has another agenda. So th those are the big concerns uh, that are coming down the pipeline. Yeah, just to drill into that last point you made a little further there, <clears throat> just to make sure that I'm understanding it as well, because it's quite interesting. So yeah, like towards the end there, basically what you're saying is that, sure, it's nice today to be talking about Canadian content as far as where something was produced, what production company was in, where it was shot, whatever. But you're actually saying that, in fact, um, these type of regulatory powers you know, under whatever government or political party of the day, you know, you seem to be quite concerned about this idea of what's Canadian, not just about, as I said, where the money's come from, what's produced or whatever, but like, you know, this whole, I guess this Orwellian idea of like un-Canadian views even kind of being blocked, it sounds like what you're concerned about. Exactly. You know, the Minister of Public Safety, as I said, has been talking about the issue of social cohesion and whether or not we need to start filtering things on that criteria. You know, so I think that's already an indication that the government's prepared to go down the slippery slope of, uh, you know, putting qualifications on what counts as Canadian content. So right now they're just saying where it's produced or what, you know, what the character of the content is. But, you know, down the line, it, you could start seeing some narrowing for other reasons. So that's a big concern. And then what I would say to anyone, and I would say this, whether you're on the left, you're on the right, uh, whatever kind of perspective you have is, you know, do you want the government really to have the power to filter what you can say and see online? Maybe you like the current government. And so you're not very worried. Uh, but, right. you know, a few years from now, there could be a government you don't like. And uh, that government then has the power to give bureaucracy instructions 
uh, and all of a sudden you're uncomfortable with it. So I would say to anyone, uh, particularly those who, you know, are fans of the Trudeau government or, you know, think that perhaps this is a good step and, and they're not really looking too much into the details. You know, once this is on the books, once you give bureaucrats this kind of power, you don't know what's ultimately going to happen in the future. And so it's very dangerous just to give these powers to bureaucrats uh, and say, OK, well, maybe today this is going to you know, turn out how I think it's going to turn out or how I might want it to turn out. But, uh, you know, down the line, you could see a very different story. And these powers are there. They're not repealed just because, because the government changes. Uh, they're still there. And so if you like the guys who are in there today, you might not like the guys who are in there tomorrow. And they will have these very same powers and they might have further instructions to the CRTC. So even if today's government, the Trudeau government is saying we're only going to give filtering instructions based on whether or not something's Canadian, and even if they're doing this in a very forthright way, uh, and that really is all of their motive, a future government could say, well, folks at the CRTC, we want you to filter, yes, based on Canadian content, but also on all these other criteria. So once it's on the books, a future government can use it to whatever to, you know, whatever length they want to go. Right. Yeah. And, and you tell me if you disagree, if I'm kind of interpreting it wrong, but like, to me, it also seems like, you know, from a political perspective, of course, it's important to focus on governments and political parties and say, you know, they could turn around, tell the CRTC X, X, Y, Z, that's absolutely important. But it seems to me the flip side of the coin too, is that there's also this, you know, bureaucratic scope creep and, you know, bureaucratic concern as well. Like even aside from liberal party, conservative party, whatever party, the fact that all these sort of broad strokes powers are thrown into the bureaucratic ether seems to be concerning as well. I mean, that, because what, what we all sometimes think of this stuff as cartoons in our head as buildings with signs on them, like the CRTC. But really what we're talking about is hundreds, if not thousands of bureaucrats shuffling paper. And like you said, deciding these kinds of things, even aside from political influence, just sort of within their own bureaucratic black box. That seems to me also to be another side of the coin that's quite scary too, even aside from the partisan politics side. Well, it is. And the CRTC has proven that they're not very good already at deciding what's Canadian content. As I said, Gotta Love Trump is considered Canadian content uh, and The Handmaid's Tale is not considered Canadian content. So they're already very inept at this. And here we have the Trudeau government wanting to give them, uh, you know, a huge addition into their mandate uh, where all of a sudden they're going to decide everything that's online, whether or not it counts as Canadian so if they're already pretty bad at figuring out what TV shows, what movies, what music is Canadian, uh, good luck with determining what stuff on the media count, uh, on the internet counts as Canadian. And so that's a concern. And of course, anytime you're giving a bureaucracy all kinds of new powers, uh, that's always concerning. And the Minister of Heritage, uh, Minister Rodriguez, who's pushing this legislation, he, he sent a letter to the head of the CRTC and, and he said publicly, well, we're going to tell them uh, we're giving you all of these new powers, but we only want you to use it in a very limited scope. That's essentially what Minister Rodriguez is saying. But look, once the powers are on the books, the powers are on the books. Uh, and it, we don't want to be in a situation where the government is handing all kinds of power to a bureaucracy and is just saying, OK, it'll all be fine. We're going to give them instructions. They're only going to use maybe 10% of the powers that we're giving them. They're only going to use it for this very specific purpose, but we're still giving them all of these powers. I mean, that's what is a huge concern, is that the Liberal government is intending to give the CRTC huge amounts of new powers, and then we'll just politely ask them to only use a small fraction of it. 
Well, you know, too many of us have seen governments all around the world uh, over the years, uh, you know, where bureaucracy has gotten out of control uh, and where these bureaucrats essentially go on mission creep. And, you know, that's not a situation we want to see. And of course, as I said before, a future government could want to expand uh, what the CRTC is doing and its filtering powers. And we as Canadians would have nothing really to say about that because the law would already be on the books. Right. And am I, am I remembering correctly in the ebook that you mentioned in there that it, it is actually almost quite literally true that no other country regulates content or is even trying to even talk about regulating content or, or treating it in, in this exact way? Like this is kind of unprecedented, right? I mean, of course, we can think of, you know, a, a dictatorship somewhere where like, you know, nobody can even do anything or say anything through a media outlet. But putting that stuff aside, you know, as far as let's say, um, relatively speaking, liberal democratic societies are concerned, like this is sort of a first, like, is this unprecedented? Am I remembering that correctly or am I off? No, you're not. It's unprecedented. And on that ebook, we were worked with Dr. Michael Geis of the University of Ottawa. He's the foremost expert in Canada on these matters, uh, you know, on the internet and regulation and things like that. He's testified everywhere. He's been on all kinds of radio shows and TV shows and podcasts. We had him on our podcast. And no, he has said no other democratic nation in the world is seeking to apply broadcast regulations to the internet because fundamentally the internet is different. On the internet, we can access whatever we want. There's an unlimited quantity of things that we can see and listen to and look at and read and all of those things. So he said there's no other comparable democratic country, not the United States, not somewhere in Europe, not Japan, that is doing something like this. And it really lumps us in with countries like North Korea and China when it comes to online uh, government control. Uh, and so it, it is unprecedented. There is no other country that's trying to do it this way. And uh, that's part of what's so concerning is that, you know, like there, we don't even have any country to look at and say, oh, okay, well, it's been successful there. Or, okay, well, bureaucracies have kept themselves in check in that other country. We have zero examples to look at because we would be the first. And, and, you know, sometimes you want to be the first as a country on censorship uh, in terms of a democracy. You don't want to be number one on that list. Yeah, I'd say so for sure. And and, and also, too, and I, I read it in the ebook, and I also did some research on this before in preparation for the episode just to see what other folks are saying online. It seems that a lot of Canadian content creators, I'm not talking about Z list YouTubers either. I'm talking about relatively prominent people online are also saying, you know, here, here's a bill that's, or a, at least a set of policies that are sort of intended to help us, but they're actually even worried about this. Like there's Canadian YouTubers and folks on TikTok and so on that are thinking that what, from a technical perspective, what the Canadian government's saying it wants to do is actually, whether it's the algorithm or the way they want to push things around, they're actually concerned about promoting their own Canadian content under that regime. Well, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, the head of YouTube in Canada uh, testified before the Senate committee uh, and she explained it very well. She said, so if we're living in Canada, if we're all in Canada right now, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, and this this law was passed. So all of a sudden the government would be changing YouTube's algorithm so that YouTube had to push on us as consumers Canadian content and not just content that we're interested in, what would happen is 
you know, in your feed and my feed, maybe something comes up all of a sudden about canoeing. And maybe uh, neither of us is all that interested in the topic of canoeing. Uh, and maybe YouTube used to be really good at, at popping up other videos. I happen to be a fan of, you know, watches and cars. And maybe YouTube was promoting those things to me before. But now that stuff wasn't produced in Canada. All of a sudden, YouTube is, is showing me all these nature things that I'm perhaps not interested in. The problem is if we don't click on that stuff here in Canada, YouTube's algorithms then take that as a sign that the content is not really desirable, that people aren't all that interested in it. Of course, that's because the Canadian government is forcing YouTube to show us stuff that we're just not interested in. And it goes against the, you know, the the whole you know, purpose of, of YouTube and, and their own algorithms. And so if it has a lower click rate in Canada because it's just advertised to people who aren't interested, YouTube's global algorithms take that as a sign that consumers in general aren't interested. And so actually then it is promoted less outside of Canada because of that. Uh, YouTube sees it as unfavorable content and then it gets lower in the news feeds or the streaming feeds, I should say. And, you know, we've had, uh, there's an Indian Canadian uh, star in Regina. His name is Tasher. He wrote an op-ed in the Regina Leader Post. And he said, you know, I, I got popular because I was discovered on the other side of the world, even though I was living in Canada. And, you know, that was through YouTube. And, you know, he said, my career never would have taken off if this had been the law of the land, because people in other countries wouldn't have seen my stuff because, you know, YouTube would have just taken it as unpopular because no one in Canadian, uh, no one in Canada originally was interested in this stuff. Of course, since then, he's become a huge star. I mean, you can think of people like Justin Bieber, right? He was discovered somewhat by Usher in the United States. Uh, well, if, if his content would have been demoted beyond Canada's borders, maybe the folks that are discovering him in the United States never would have actually seen his videos. And maybe that career never would have happened. So that is why there's so many content creators who are concerned because they know that if their stuff is promoted to people in Canada who aren't interested, then in countries beyond Canada's borders, it's going to be less accessible for those folks because algorithms are going to suggest that that is just not popular content. Right. Because as you said, people aren't searching for people in Canada, even though they might be proud about other Canadian content, let's say they're not searching for you know, going to watch some Canadian content and be proud of today. They're searching for subjects, right? Canoeing, camping, uh, you know, video games, whatever. And then if it happens to be Canadian content, great. But as you said, people are subject interested on the internet, not, you know, American versus Canadian content. Interested. You know, of course, it might, maybe there's some history or something like that. You want to look up Canadian history. But even then, that's a that's subject oriented. Anyone can be producing a documentary on Canadian history. It doesn't need to be Canadian content per se. So the, the internet is very, it's much more, as you said, complicated and different sort of landscape than the CRTC is used to thinking about when it comes to TV and those sorts of things. It absolutely is because the internet is, is infinite. There, there's as much content out there as you want. You can post as much as you want, but yeah, again, I mean, YouTube has been so clear and, and this is not just going to be the case on YouTube. It's going to be the case on, on TikTok, And, and, you know, frankly, even uh, you get to Netflix and Amazon prime and things like that. People want to watch what they're interested in. Uh, you know, uh, as you said, uh, if, if YouTube is all of a sudden promoting a whole bunch of stuff that you're just not interested in, you're not going to click on it because people today, uh, you know, want to view and, and experience what they're already interested in or what they might be interested based on what they've previously watched. Uh, and 
you know, if you're simply going to start promoting things based on uh, where where it was produced, uh, the the problem is again, even if it is showing up on your YouTube feed, you could choose not to click on it. Right. So the ultimate end position is maybe you're just going to watch less on YouTube in general. Maybe you're going to give up. Maybe you know if Bill C eleven is in force. Uh, you look at your feed and there's two or three things from Canada, mm, nothing I'm really interested in. Maybe I'm going to go walk the dog. Whereas if it's, you know, right now you're on YouTube, you look at your feed, oh, those next two or three videos, they look really, really interesting. I'm going to keep watching. Uh, you know, so so that's what could happen if this bill becomes law. So, you know, no wonder, of course, uh, places like YouTube are so concerned because this could actually even lead to people exposed to less content writ large. So less Canadian, less foreign content, because people are just so frustrated. All that's coming up for them is stuff they're not interested in, and they decide to go do something else. Right. And one one more question here before we head to the break, because it's about that time now. Uh, we're, you know, we're discussing for the past 15 minutes or so in, in the general discussion of larger implications and so on and so forth. Of course, we've been speaking a lot about the uh, the political implications and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, it would also, of course, be you know silly of me to forget to ask someone from the Canadian Taxpayer Fe- Taxpayers Federation about concerns from a pure tax dollars perspective. Uh, so from a strict budgeting and fiscal perspective when it comes to the government and their business, what kind of numbers are we looking at and, and why is this kind of like approach concerning? I mean, C11, of course, has very important political implications like you've been talking about, but there also, of course, seems to be a huge fiscal implication here as well for these kinds of new powers. And I think in, in your ebook, you use the term like bureaucratic, or it was one of your op-eds, like bureaucratic superstructure would be required to, to do all this. So, so what kind of fiscal impact are we looking at? Well, you know, the, the government hasn't laid out specific numbers, but uh, w- what's very clear is that if you're going to task an organization with regulating the internet, that's going to require a heck of a lot of people. Uh, because, you know, if they're going to, you're going to have to hire more people to create these algorithms, more people to monitor what's online, more people to tell Netflix and YouTube and Amazon Prime and and Disney Plus what to do, what to show us, what not to show us. So it's going to be a massive expansion of the CRTC. Of course, that's going to be more bureaucrats. Uh, Of course, that's going to be the inevitable outcome. But, uh, you know, what I said before, I think is important too, that uh, we could be losing money. We could be losing stars. We could be losing attention in the world uh, through the implications of this. You know, we could have someone like a future Justin Bieber never discovered. We could have someone like a future Tesher never discovered. But what the CRTC does right now in regulating the TV and internet, uh, excuse me, the TV and radio, if you want them to regulate the internet, that's going to be the CRTC on steroids. So you can't even imagine the amount of bureaucrats they're going to have to hire to do this. And this is just keep creating this monstrous bureaucratic superstructure where you just have, you know, all kinds of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of new people working for the government uh, out of Ottawa, telling us what to watch, what not to watch, running our lives. That's not something we want to see in this country and in democracy. Uh, and the look, the ultimate goal should be, of course, consumer choice, right? It, it, listen, if we're exposed to Canadian stuff, uh, we like it, we go watch it, that's great. Uh, and there also happens to be, I should point out, on on, on platforms like Netflix and, and others like that, they're, they're, you can search for Canadian content. Right. If, if you're one of those people 
that is really just gung-ho about watching stuff from your own country, that's possible to do. You can do it. It doesn't mean that you have to hire a whole bunch of bureaucrats to reorder things for you. All you have to do is search the word Canada. Right. Absolutely. I've seen that. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of people who might talk about like, you know, oh, there's always slippery slope arguments from people worried about scope creep and bureaucrat. I mean, but this is the, the country that bureaucratically speaking has has a precedence of this kind of stuff. I mean, we, we've had firearms registries go from predicted $1 million expenditures into the billions. So it's not it's not as if there's no precedent for this kind of scope creep when it comes to the fiscal stuff, right? Well, that's right. And of course, uh, the current government uh, has no real regard for uh, Canada's fiscal position. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of programs that they roll out, have no idea what the cost is. It balloons. You know, the present government's doubled the national debt, we know, in their time in office. And so, you know, that's not something we want to see happen going forward. You mentioned uh, the long gun registry, the massive uh, multiplication in terms of the actual cost. Any kind of, uh, you know, task like this, bureaucratic task that, that you're trying to lay out, it always costs way more than they originally claim it's going to. Uh, we've seen that in so many different cases. We know that that's what would happen in this case too. But of course, um, the biggest thing to be worried about is the the expansion of government, the the limiting of what we can or can't see online, the the massive authority we're giving to unelected people in downtown Ottawa to decide how our lives get run. And so those are the big concerns. But of course, fiscal concerns will definitely be present as well. Right. And with that, I think we'll take our break here. So it's a great time to do that. So everyone knows in The Curious Task, I'm speaking with Jay Goldberg today. The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. Feel free to send questions, feedback, guest recommendations, or anything else that's on your mind to curioustask at liberalstudies.ca. As always, a huge thanks to our supporters on Patreon, including Randy T. Simmons, Travis Smith, and John Robson. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at The Curious Task, rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to The Curious Task, and check out the Institute for Liberal Studies. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Curious Task. I'm speaking with Jay Goldberg today. So, Jay, I think the, the first half was great. We've discussed a lot. We t- there's a lot going on there, a lot of great momentum. I actually took a break a lot later than I, I usually do. So we, there was a nice chunk of both context and in-depth exploration on B, Bill C-11, both from the perspective of what it is and what the implications are and so on and so forth. So the last sort of kick and swing of our conversation here, I want to get into a couple of other things that I, I noted was interesting that you've noted in either op-eds or throughout the ebook that I had uh, mentioned earlier. And and you did say in the ebook um, on this topic that it's also important to understand C11 in the broader political context as well. That is to say, yes, we're talking about content right now, and a lot of our conversation has been about not only this narrower idea of Canadian content in general, but also how that can expand to controlling the content people see. But I think I think you use the phrase, or I might be paraphrasing somewhere, like you know, when we're talking about the larger political context of the government's effort to regulate the internet in general. And and I'd like you to get into that a little bit more here because um you know I, I think there was also a quote there from the minister talking about how there's there's also revenue streams to be tapped into from large social media giants things like that. So it seems like there is indeed a broader political context to think about here as far as how the government views this landscape of the internet beyond just content itself. If if I understood the points you're making there correctly. 
Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Um, you know, the Trudeau government has made clear that they want to uh, use the internet uh, in some cases. Uh, yeah, for for uh, profit for for Canadian content uh, creators. Um, but you know, as I said before, it, it's really going to hurt Canadian content creators more than it's going to help them. Uh, and of course, we've all already seen. Uh, Places like Netflix commit so much money to the Canadian market, um, and it's just so unprecedented what the government is trying to do here uh, in terms of what it's going to require uh, of these apps, these streaming services, what it's going to require uh, of YouTube and elsewhere. And what's interesting is it, it may make certain uh organizations leave altogether, leave Canada altogether. Right. And what do I mean by that? Well, we don't, we don't really, we, we can't directly keep up with the Kardashians here in Canada. The reason is they're on Hulu and Hulu blocks the Canadian market. And, and why does Hulu do that? Because there's way too many hoops for them to jump through. And they've recognized that while there's too small of their audience, small percentage that would come from Canada, it's really just not worth, you know, going through regulation after regulation uh, just because the Canadian market is not worth it. So if all of a sudden uh, Bill C-11 goes through and all of these new criteria start to land about, you know, what, what say, a streaming service like Netflix has to show first and last uh, and how much Canadian content they need to have and everything that needs to be reordered, you know, like other organizations could join Hulu. You know, does does Netflix decide, for example? I mean, that's probably a bigger one that might want to stay. But do other streaming services, Disney Plus, you know, Amazon Prime decide, you know what, the amount of criteria, the amount of bureaucracy, the amount of paperwork the Trudeau government is forcing us to go through with C11, you know, our Canadian market share is really limited right now. And, and maybe it's just not worth all of this extra cost for us to actually continue that. So we could end up seeing... The government literally scare away certain services because of all the extra things they're asking us to do. And, you know, like that's just not just hyperbole. Hulu right now isn't in the Canadian market. And one of the reasons is because they don't think that all of the regulations we presently have now are worth it uh, to in terms of, you know, weighing that against the potential profits they could have from being in the Canadian marketplace. We could have, um, you know, there's so many Canadians, for example, uh, who are diaspora Canadians that uh, come from, uh, you know, the other side of the world, but they, they like to stay in tune with uh, TV and movies and, and they, you know, access streaming services from around there, uh, whether it shows that are, you know, from the Philippines or China or, or anywhere. And, you know, those services as well might decide, well, the Canadian market now is going to be so regulated. There's going to be so many instructions. Uh, you know, we have to push Canadian content so hard and we're not a domestic Canadian content production company to begin with that maybe we got to start just blocking the Canadian market and it's just not worth our time. So this is a very serious risk, particularly when you're looking at, uh, as I said, companies that are, 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 are streaming services that are basically trying to get uh, content that is you know, produced and watched uh, from an, from another part of the world here into Canada, it could very easily just decide that, you know what, we're blocking the Canadian market because it's not worth all the effort. Uh, so we could see Hulu be joined by all kinds of other streaming services if this goes through. 
Right. And yeah, that's actually an excellent point that you just brought up too. I, I haven't think of that specific angle before because, you, you know, like it, it's either one of those things where this type of approach, generally speaking, this this bill or not, like the, the government deciding what's Canadian and not and regulating that, that sort of thing, especially when it comes to the internet, like it becomes such a mess that you have to either carve out like endless exceptions or just put up a giant brick wall that catches everything. So it's either way too little or way too much. Like we, we do, we've talked throughout this conversation about Netflix, Hulu, things like that. But my brain's also now starting to turn based on your last point there on the fact that there are streaming services and apps and things like that that are designed for very specific niche markets or special interests or just you know, interests that are a little more narrow than just platforming everything. Like, you know, for instance, if you uh, download one of those apps or a streaming service that specifically specializes in anime, well, what's that streaming service supposed to do? Uh, try and find Canadian based anime and animation studios to push up front. Like, so that's a real excellent point. Like there, there's, it, there's, this also gets more specific than just Netflix and Hulu. It, it also, there's lots of micro services and small and medium sized special interest things that it, it's like, there's, there's no answer right now as to what would happen to those. They might just throw their hands up and say, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, I was talking about in terms of, you know, uh, some of the soap operas that, you know, people like to watch here in Canada that are filmed on the other side of the world. But you're absolutely right. I mean, in an area like anime, uh, if we don't have enough Canadian content to be pushed at the top of the list, uh, you know, is all of a sudden the Canadian government going to require that, uh, you know, your anime streaming service uh, has to, you know, create some Canadian content or right. come up with some Canadian content or purchase Canadian content to show. And if they don't, well, then, you know, they're not going to be allowed into the market because they're not following the rules. And so, you know, that's a huge question mark. And I, I to be honest, I think the government uh, and the minister, are, they view it in a very overly simplified way. Right. They're really focusing only on you know, the big guys like Netflix and Amazon right. Prime. And that's what the minister continuously talks about. Or he, he talks about YouTube. and But that's not, you know, what, what the internet is. And I think that's a lot of what they don't quite recognize is that it's not all about these big giants, that people do have so many different niche markets, that we all have so many diverse interests. And, you know, for me, just to hit on a bit of a philosophical point here, you know, diversity is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing that we all are interested in different things. Uh, but that makes it much harder to regulate and much harder for government to control. And, and you know, that's, that's a good thing. We don't want the government to be controlling all of this. And so you, you have a government that's just trying to, to grasp control over this, this uh, you know, area, this whole issue, area, subset. Uh, they just want to control it generally. But I don't think they recognize just how broad people's interests are, just how broad the selection of what we can stream and what, what apps we can use, how broad it is uh, and, and how internationalized it is. Uh, and so, you know, this is really a government, I think, that doesn't really understand uh, the intricacies of the internet. And they're so focused on trying to make sure that certain things are pushed to the top of the feed uh, on Netflix that they're not at all focused about the the dozens and dozens of other uh, apps or streaming services, the niche area programs that could all of a sudden throw up their hands and leave Canada, block the market. Uh, and, and I honestly, through all the testimony I've seen, think that they're so focused on the big giants yeah. that they're not really focused on what matters. 
Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, they're you know they're gonna try and force I guess a Bollywood streaming service to figure out how to make a Canadian Bollywood film. However, that would work out. So, <laughs> so that's yeah, how- no, that's exact. That's exactly the concern, you know. And and you know like, and that is gonna happen in terms of Bollywood. But there are so many different areas. You know, you mentioned anime. There are so many different things that people like to watch. And it's a beautiful thing that we're all so different, that we're interested in different things and and we want to be exposed to different things. And, you know, it's not 100% of Canadians going on Netflix and picking, you know, what's the first thing that comes up in my feed? Right. That's not how we work. That's not how people work. I think that's how the government thinks we work. But, you know, there's a there's a reason that in in human history, you know, trying to have bureaucratic control over the you know, the intricate details of what we do in our daily lives has never worked. There's a reason why, you know, systems of government that have been so obsessed with governing every aspect of people's lives. There's a reason these governments, these institutions have collapsed. It's because people want diversity and freedom of thought and, and freedom to pursue the things that they're interested in. And that's why to go back to what we were talking about earlier, when Dr. Geist says this is unprecedented in a Western democracy, because this really is an effort by the government to try to assert such a level of control that you do not expect to see in a Western democracy that embraces the kind of diversity uh, that we have traditionally embraced here in Canada. Right. And and as our time winds down here, just I always make sure to kind of ask a question from the flip side as well, just to you know see that. And this might ultimately end up being being a softball, but nevertheless, I think it's important to sort of just kick over to you. So we talked about all the negative things that could happen with regulation and, and so on and so forth. Do you think there should be any role for the government at all in the regulation of media or communications? Is 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 the answer just no? Is it that there is a minimum, and then this whole conversation is taking us way past that minimum? Where, where do you kind of fit on that spectrum of thought? Well. And, you know, that's a good question. It's a very good question. And I've had people come up to me and say, you know, well, what about, uh, you know, the Internet needs to be regulated because of hate speech, for example. And and what I try to say is, um, you know, this is a bill, Bill C-11, that's coming out of the Ministry of Heritage. Uh, It is not coming out of the Ministry of Justice. Uh, We already have laws on the books that deal with things like hate speech that restrict that on the Internet. Uh, You know, we have police services that go after that kind of thing. And I've consistently said, if there is something like hate speech that we need to, uh, you know, further address, then by all means, the Minister of Justice, not the Minister of Heritage, the Minister of Justice (laughs) should put forward uh, a bill that amends the criminal code that somehow tightens up uh, these areas like hate speech, for example. So, That's a fallback argument that some proponents go on just saying, well, do you not want to regulate the Internet at all? And what I'm saying is we shouldn't be regulating the kind of content people want to watch. But that is not to say that things like hate speech should just be allowed to run amok on the Internet. I mean, already we have laws on the books that look after that. If if they're not doing a good enough job, you could look at strengthening that. But anytime you want to see, you know, regulation of the internet, it should be done for specific legal reasons and legal dangers like hate speech, not to try to control what people watch, you know, on a Netflix and chill date night. That's right. you know, that's not the role of government. Yeah. And that's excellent that's an excellent point too, right? Like most things that most people I think 
because I'm pretty optimistic about this stuff often, that most things that most people would actually find objectionable, are the, the conversation doesn't automatically change just because it either happens in real life or on the internet. Like things on the internet that are either immoral or currently illegal, like, you know, harassment, uh, you know, child pornography, things like that. The, the, the conversation doesn't magically change just because we're talking about the internet. If it's illegal and immoral and terrible in, in, in you know, off the internet or just physically, let's say, then on the internet and the cyber world and the digital sphere, that can also be handled under those types of discussions as well. Like, you know, how, how, you know, there is investigations against things like child pornography or, you know, outright harassment of people is, is not a legal thing. You're absolutely correct. That can be handled under that sort of perspective of, okay, whether it's harassment in real life or harassment on the internet, we're talking about harassment here. We're not talking about some magical separate discussion, right? That's right. And, and the internet is, is not separate. Uh, that's exactly right. What you're talking about, whether it's uh, child pornography, harassment, hate speech, these are all things that are illegal and they're illegal, whether it's on a television, whether it's on the internet, whether it happens in person, like these are issues that are regulated. Uh, There are laws against them. And, um, you know, and that's, that's the way it ought to be. It has to be dealt with from that kind of perspective. And as I said, like if you're looking at, at at this kind of a bill because you're worried about things like hate speech, it makes zero sense for this to be coming out of the Ministry of Heritage. Like if we're talking about real legal issues, legal dangers, then I would like to see our Attorney General and our Minister of Justice come out and talk about these issues. Because unless you're talking about something that um, you know needs to be regulated by law in a way that you know, it could potentially be a crime uh, or, or things related to that. Uh, unless you're talking about that, then the, the government should not be uh, trying to determine what we see online, what we don't see online. It should be up to Canadians. It should be up to our preferences and our choices. Uh, and we just don't want someone uh, in downtown Ottawa in a bureaucratic office deciding what we should or shouldn't be watching or what we should or shouldn't be exposed to so long as it is something that's legal. I, again, I put that qualification there. We have laws on the books. Uh, if they're on the books and you think they need to be strengthened, go ahead and talk to the Minister of Justice. I'm open to that. But I, you know, that should not be a Trojan horse excuse to usher in a whole new era of government control over virtually all aspects of the internet just because we're worried about one small thing. Uh, and I don't say small as in unimportant, but I say small as in, uh, you know, in terms of the, um, you know, what's on the internet, the attention of what we right. do on the internet, the vast majority of us, um, that that's what I'm talking about in that sense. So we should not be, you know, trying to uh, have bureaucratic control over the entire internet if a small percentage of the internet is problematic and needs to be regulated uh, or, or, you know, there needs to be laws addressing it from another sense. So, you know, no one is saying that that shouldn't happen. What we are saying is in the other parts of the internet where things that people are doing, they're legal, uh, you know, and, and it's just a matter of what we get to be exposed to, what we can watch, what we can stream, what we can see, what we can view. These are all things that shouldn't have the government dictating it for us. Right. And with that, Jay, I'm going to move us to our formal wrap up. Our time is pretty much winding down here. You know, we've talked about a lot. So in each episode, I want to make sure the guest ultimately has the last word to try and bring the conversation full circle and put a finer point of our exploration of the question and the things that they've been saying. So 
Let me ask you what is sort of always our formal last question and official last question here. What do you ultimately hope are the main takeaways for someone listening to here on all this on whether, to go back to our broader theme as well, Canada has a censorship problem or whether it, it will, I suppose, if we're looking into the future as well. Like, in other words, if you wanted someone to leave listening to you here today with one or two or just a few takeaways, if anything, what do you want them to take away from the chat today? Well, you know what, that's a great opportunity. And let me just pose a couple of questions to those of you who are listening to this as you try to decide, uh, you know, how you feel about C-11 and whatnot. And I would say, do you want to live in a country in which the government is able to manipulate algorithms? You know, do you want to live in that kind of a country where they can manipulate algorithms, whether it's YouTube, whether it's what you see on Netflix? Is that the kind of a country you want to live in? Do you want to live in a country where downtown elites somewhere in Ottawa get to decide what we should or should not be seeing online? Uh, What counts as Canadian, what doesn't count as Canadian? Or do you want to have choices in your hands? Uh, you know, if if you're someone who believes that government ought to be limited, that people should be able to make as many choices as they can about what they they watch, they stream, they get exposed to online. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing in, in a free country, in a democracy, that we're able to have the freedom of choice. And, you know, I just bring everyone back to, you know, the comment that Dr. Geis made about no other democratic country doing something like this. This is unprecedented what the government is trying to do. Uh, experts are concerned from coast to coast. You have people like Dr. Geist, who has took a bit of a leave from his job at the university to go and advocate against these kinds of laws. Uh, This is not the Canada, I think, that most people want to live in. And so I would just say to those who are listening, if you don't want to go down this path towards a country bureaucratic control that we've seen too much elsewhere, if you don't want to have that kind of, you know, control over your lives from someone, uh, you know, all these extra bureaucrats they're going to add in downtown Ottawa somewhere, then, you know, you need to stand up and say no to Bill C-11. It is currently before Parliament. I would say go to taxpayer.com, sign our petitions, sign petitions uh, that other organizations have put forward and be very clear that this is not something you want. You don't want the government to filter your YouTube feed. You don't want the government to filter your Twitter feed. You don't want the government to filter your Netflix feed. Uh, You need to make it clear, stand up and be heard because this is a dangerous law. It is uh, on the precipice of potentially being uh, enacted and potentially being passed and signed into law. And I'm afraid it's a direction that if we go in, we we may not be able to come back uh, in the same way that, that we are able to if we just don't let the law get through in the first place. So I would say, you know, uh, this might be some, you know, abstract bill that you haven't really heard all that much about before. But Bill C-11 is dangerous, and this is a tipping point that we are at as a country. And this is something that I think people need to stand up and mobilize against. I think we'll leave it there then. Jay Goldberg, thank you very much for joining me on the Curious Task today. Thank you. The Curious Task is a podcast from the Institute for Liberal Studies. This episode was produced by Alex Aragona, Sabine Elchidiak, and Eric Segain. Our executive producer is Matt Bufton. The music you hear on the podcast is by Lindy Voppenfjord. You should check out his other stuff online. The Curious Task exists today because of donations of time and money from those creating it and listeners like yourself. 
check us out on Patreon and find out how you can support us and get access to exclusive offers. I'm Alex Aragona, and thank you very much for joining us on The Curious Task.